0: And Lord, we praise you together. The attention, the applause, the recognition is yours, belongs to you, and we want to focus our attention on you now. Lord, we've all come here with some level of burden and consequently distraction. Some of us have been beat up by a difficult week. Some of us have lost people that we love dearly. Others are battling illness or have a loved one who is very sick. I thank you that we can cast those burdens on you, and according to your word, you will lift us up. I pray that you would draw our attention to the promises you've made us in, in the word that we're going to be examining today, and that we would take them to heart and live accordingly. In Christ's name, amen. Good morning, Crosspoint. How are you? Someday I'm going to wear a forehead-mounted camera up here so that you can see what I see during worship. <laughs> it is, by turns, glorious and occasionally hilarious. I'm glad that you're here. This is a this is a family meeting. This is a family gathering of people who belong to God, as you're going to see in our text today. Uh, we are not here for our own sake. We're not here to draw attention to ourselves. We're here to draw close to our heavenly Father who loves us. Do you talk to yourself? Okay, noted. We'll see how the second ser- what the second service says. I think we all do. Someone said, and I never forgot it, a wise pastor said, be careful how you talk to yourself because no one talks to you more than you do. And that's true. The main thing I say to myself, probably I haven't kept careful notes of it because I'm in literally inside my own mind, but I think what I most often say is, come on, Bruce. And if I'm really messing up, I say, come on, Bruce, get it together. Get it together, get it together, get it together. If I'm really doing poorly, I will throw in an insult and call myself a name as some kind of perverse motivation to get it together and to be get back to what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm in good company. I think every human being who's ever lived talks to themself. And this morning, I'd like you to look in your Bibles to Psalm 103 so that you can listen to David talk to himself. What David has to say to himself, and then he's going to turn from himself and speak to us is very important. Psalm 103 a portion of which we've just been singing, we read in Psalm 103, the title says, of David. In other words, this is a psalm that David wrote, David the king of Israel, the shepherd boy who had faced the giant, who saw God do for him what he never did for Saul because David trusted God the way Saul never would. David, who saw the kingdom expand and grow peaceful under his reign. David, who prepared the wealth for the temple to be built by his son Solomon. David, who so long as he obeyed God, always saw his enemies driven before him. People kept safe. David, who was called before he even officially replaced Saul, a man after God's own heart, is talking to himself in Psalm 103, and for good reason. David was an ancient warrior king. David woke up with the conscious knowledge that people at his nation's borders wanted him dead. And that there would be no treaty, there would be no armistice, there would be no understanding as modern armies and modern nations come to, should David lose, if this time the Philistines won, it would mean only one thing, complete subjugation, possibly genocide, certainly occupation, certainly heavy taxation, where they became basically a nation of slaves to serve those who had conquered them. No wonder David was talking to himself. Psalm 103, David wrote, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. David tells himself twice to praise God. That's what it means to bless the Lord. Oh, my soul is just a poetic, it's a beautiful lyric. We just sang it. That lyric has staying power. It's stuck around for 3,000 years. It speaks to us to this day. David is saying, come on, David, don't forget. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Let's step into our world. Let's leave David's and ask ourselves a question. Have you consciously and generously praised God this morning? Do you remember what you thanked Him for? I think if all of us were very honest, many of us would realize that we just woke up and started the day. And maybe there were chores, and hopefully there was coffee, and certainly there was breakfast, there was a lot to do, and somehow we just kind of ended up here because this is where we've decided to come on a particular Sunday. It's very easy to forget that you live before the face of God, that you draw in breath that He gave you, that every breath you draw is actually an intake of God's mercy, that you didn't create your life, you can't sustain it one minute longer than God grants it, it's very easy in those conditions to actually forget to consciously, specifically, generously praise God as God deserves. That is because human beings are forgetful of praise. We are forgetful of gratitude. I think a main reason for that is we grow accustomed to good things. This hit me the other day on a cross-country flight. I was flying to literally the middle of the country, Springfield, Missouri. And I got on a plane and was very happy and relieved to see that this is a fully modern plane where I can put my smartphone and clip it into the seat back in front of me and connect to the Wi-Fi and have literally dozens and dozens of movies to watch on my own phone. This is the newest thing I know. Literally dozens of movies, any genre, free Apple music, anything basically that's been recorded by human beings in the musical realm, I could listen to it. So I thoroughly enjoyed my flight to Dallas. And then I got to Dallas and I got, because that's the way it is when you go to Springfield, Missouri, I got onto a much smaller plane, got on that plane, had to duck my head to fit in the plane. Immediately realized, I'm not getting a movie on this flight, and said to myself, this is nonsense. (laughs) I'm going to fly a solid hour without the capacity to enjoy thousands of songs and dozens of movies. On the way over, I was careful to select a movie that I could actually watch in flight because I thought, I don't want to be cheated of the last five minutes of the outcome of the free movie that I'm watching on my smartphone that connects to outer space. As soon as that amazing capacity was lost in the next very brief flight, I was a little disgruntled, and I yearn for a better world where you can watch any movie all the time... (laughs) for free while you travel through the air at 600 miles an hour, arriving in perfect safety, certainly with, in my case, one or two Diet Cokes served to me, also included in the price of admission, (laughs) by someone who walked literally in midair to bring me a cold drink. (laughs) That sound like any of you? It's very easy to forget God's goodness. We grow accustomed to blessing. We grow accustomed to grace. Suffering pushes every memory of every good thing that's ever happened to us out very quickly. When the health we've grown accustomed to, when the job we've so enjoyed, when the money that has sustained us, when the relationship that has brought such happiness to our lives for years is disturbed, when any of those things that we have enjoyed so much, which all come from God, are in the slightest bit disturbed or removed, we're troubled. I think that's why David is telling himself, "'Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits.'" He's going to make a list. "'Forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases.'" who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Five things. The forgiveness of sin, healing from disease, having your life pulled back, bought back, rescued from a pit, who in top of the life that God already gives you, crowns you, there's a beautiful word picture, David would wear an actual crown in the physical world, but he understands that his life is marked and crowned and made truly good by God's steadfast love and mercy, and that God would continue to supply him with good things so that David, for all of his troubles, was renewed like an eagle soaring over Israel. This is your God. This is who He is. This is why you have to remember and you can never forget, you have to make a conscious point to praise Him. The reason God does all these things, James will say later in the New Testament that every good and perfect gift descends from above, from the Father. Every good thing you've ever enjoyed has been an expression of God's love to you in this world. If it hasn't been perfect, it's only for one reason. That is because you were a frail creature marked and ruined by sin like everybody else. But God in His character is perfect and everything He does and everything He gives is perfect. That's what David dwells on next. Verse 6. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the people of Israel. Now David is remembering and remembering that he does not stand alone in this journey with God. David remembers that before God ever dealt with David, centuries earlier, God dealt with Moses and showed Moses his work, gave Moses his law, spoke, as I told you last week, with Moses as one speaks to a friend. Verse 8, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will He keep His anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. You'll have a whole week, Lord willing, ahead of you. I would really encourage you to memorize and take to heart the words I just read to you. Here's God's own heart. Here's God's character on display. If you've ever wondered what God is like, verse 8 tells you, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Just run your eyes over those words. What is God like? He's merciful. What is God like? He is gracious. What is God like? He is abounding in steadfast love. Last week I explained to you that important Hebrew concept, a bulldog love, a tenacious love, a loyal love, a love that does not let go, a love that persists, a love that is undefeated and cannot and will not let go. That's what David means by a steadfast love. Now, there's only one word in that verse that troubles people. And we were in that concept again last week listening to Moses pray. Of the verse I just read to you, which word surprises you? Slow to? Anchor. As I told you last Sunday, we've created a culture and built a worldview where the only person in the universe who's not allowed anger is God himself. Everyone in the world, everyone in this country is mad about something. Just look at the news. Whatever is said, whatever is done, somebody is angry about it. We're not far removed from my nonsensical thinking on the plane that this aircraft, which will take me safely to my destination, is substandard and worthy of complaint because it won't show me the movie of my choice. What nonsense. Notice what it says. The Lord is, this is His character, this is His essence, who God is. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger. This is very important, and I've taught this to you before, but you need to take this in as a core biblical truth. God can be provoked to anger because God is holy and just and righteous. But in His heart, God, we're told in the Bible, is love. Nowhere does the Bible say that God is anger. He is capable of anger. He can be moved to anger precisely because he is loving, precisely because he is just, precisely because he is righteous. If you don't have the capacity for anger, you don't have the capacity to be good either. If I drive home west on Warner Avenue, headed to my house, and I see five young men stomping an elderly woman to death on the side of the street in front of the grocery store, and I drive on and say, well, that's the circle of life. Charles Darwin told us this is the way it would be. The fit are surviving. Perhaps she has money, and they will procreate and make more like themselves, fitter men who can thrive in this brutal universe of ours. Would that reaction shock you? Would you think I was a terrible person? Would you want me as your pastor for one more minute? No, any sensible person, anyone beyond infancy would be shocked by that scene. People who felt any kind of physical capacity would stop the car and run over screaming. Many people, men and women, who knew what to do about it would actually might risk their own health and safety by getting involved in trying to stop it. Why is that? Because almost everybody driving down that street is not a psychopath. They have some measure of God's righteousness and justice written on their heart. That's how the Bible explains our morality, that God has written His law on our heart. That's why your conscience bothers you all the time. That's sometimes why I talk to myself and say, come on, Bruce, get it together that was stupid, that was selfish, that was cowardly, that was mean, that was cruel, that wasn't very loving. Get it together. You're a Christian. You've got a beautiful wife. You've got children. You've got a church family. Get it together. That rebuke, that internal sense of having done wrong is a gift from God to you. God feels that is, that righteousness, that holiness, that goodness, that love all the time. It's because God is so good that He can be moved to anger. But notice what David says. How is God moved to anger? Slowly. He doesn't fly off the handle When he finally moves in justice and exercises his righteousness, people who have disobeyed him and defied him and ignored him and blasphemed him and lied against him and abused others for their own good, they will experience his anger. But God in his heart, in his essence, is merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Listen, He will not always chide, nor will He keep His anger forever. In other words, God, knowing the full measure of His own righteous justice, has made provisions so that no one on earth has to experience Him that way. Let me make it really simple. Everyone in this room, everyone in this world, Will someday meet God and experience Him in one of two ways. You will meet Him as your Father who loves you, or the holy, righteous Judge of all the earth who has come to lay the secrets of your heart bare and deal with you as you deserve. That's real. That's true. That's coming you cannot dodge that appointment. You can put everybody else in the world off, but you cannot delay your appointment, your meeting with God. God knowing what sin is, what sin costs, and what, how He will eventually deal with sin, verse 10 tells us, He does not deal with us according to our, what? Sins, nor repay us according to our, Iniquities, why does He do that? For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love to those who, what? Fear Him, another troublesome phrase. And just mark this down, it's actually a good note to make in your Bible to remember that anytime the Bible speaks of the fear of the Lord, it's talking about that reverential awe that of course leads you to obey Him. That you're impressed by God that you don't treat him, as almost everybody does, as some sort of equal. Bigger, stronger, older than you, but not that much unlike you. Very much like you. If God were here, you could talk to him as kind of a buddy. As the dumbest t-shirt I ever saw said, Jesus is my homeboy. (laughs) A friend, yes, But a Savior, a King, a Lord, a Creator of the universe, who He sustains by the power of His Word, that's God. That's who He is. And David is reminding himself of all this. Remember, we're still listening to David's self-talk David woke himself up from either his suffering or his forgetfulness and said, David, don't forget to praise God. He's the one who does everything for you. He heals your diseases. He forgives your sin. He gets your life out of the pit. He crowns you with his own love, and mercy. He continues to give you good things so that you have the energy and the strength to rise above this present suffering and go on. Then David turns to the whole nation that he's ruling, and his mind moves beyond himself to all of Israel, and he says, the reason I know this, the reason I can talk to this God is this God made himself known to Moses. This God is the righteous judge who dealt with our oppressors, who kept us enslaved in Egypt and let us out. This God is so good that He will not always be angry with us. He is, verse 8, merciful and gracious. Because He's merciful and gracious, He's slow to anger. He abounds in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will He keep His anger forever. How can that be, David? Because he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who, what? Those who revere this God, those who bow the knee to this God, those who give God His rightful throne in their lives and do not insist being small counterfeit gods running their own lives and being in charge of everything, they will experience the fullness of His goodness and His steadfast love and His mercy. He will not deal with anyone who reveres Him who loves Him, who is in awe of Him in the way that our sins deserve. And David didn't know, I'm convinced, the half of it, because as you keep reading your Bible, we're right in the middle. If you keep moving from left to right across your Bible, you're going to discover that the Son of God, Jesus Himself, will die for sin and sinners. From His cross, He will ask His Father to forgive them. He will extend mercy to a man who on the cross agreed with Jesus that he deserved to die a crucified death. That man was given the promise, today you'll be with me in paradise. That's mercy. He didn't climb off the cross and make restitution. He didn't have time to get it together and to straighten up his life and to make things right. What brought him into the favor and the forgiveness of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? This, he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. If you revere God, if you call the true God of the Bible your Father, your Lord, he loves you. All that He is is for you, not because you deserve it, because you've been good enough, but because He eternally is that good. He's incomprehensibly, vastly loving. You'll notice if you look again at that verse very carefully, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love toward those who fear Him. I've heard many mothers say to their little children, I love you to the moon, and stopping." way too short, Mom. <laughs> That's only about a quarter of a million miles. Did you know that in 1977, the United States launched a space probe called Voyager 1, and it's still going? It's very hard to measure distance on that scale. But they think that this morning it's about 14.5 billion miles away. The moon's a quarter of a million miles away. Voyager 1, 45 years old, way exceeded what NASA thought it could do. They're amazed that it's still out there, still talking to them. 14.5 billion miles away. It left our solar system 10 years ago. The next star outside of our solar system will take it 73,000 years to reach. It's been flying for 45 years. It'll take it 73,000 more to get to the next star. What does the Bible say about God's love? As high as the heavens are, from the earth if that's not impressive enough for you look at the next verse as far as the east is from the west so far does he remove our transgressions from us now that's a beautiful phrase as far as the east is from the west but i wonder if you've ever thought it through because it doesn't say north to south did you notice that This is 3,000-year-old poetry, but also the very Word of God, and not a word is wasted. Not like a Garner sermon where there's too many words. (laughs) The audience never has to wonder, where is he going with all this? Let me tell you why it says that it's as far as the east is from the west. See, if you get out to the airport to get on that plane with those dozens of movies or you're in the kind of aircraft that our Air Force has where you can be continually supplied with fuel in midair. If you haven't seen that, wow. You could fly west, and if you, fly, if you kept flying for 10 years, you'd still be going west. You would forever and always be going west until you turned around and started going in the opposite direction, going east. That's not true with north and south. If you took the same aircraft and aimed it north, you'd go to the top of the North Pole, you'd cross the Arctic Circle, and as soon as you crested the very top of the globe and started going down, which direction would you be going? South. North turns into south. South eventually turns into north. Our sins are removed as far from us as the east is from the west. They are ever and infinitely going away from you. Because they have been absorbed, they have been paid for by the gift of God's Son, Jesus Christ. That's why verse 13 says, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Those who approach him as a father will have his compassion. He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass." He flourishes like a flower of the field for the wind passes over it and it is gone and its place knows it no more. That's why I'm telling you, you have to be ready to meet God. Your life is like a flower in the field, beautiful only for the morning. Then the June gloom burns off and the sun comes out and it's heat and the beauty of your life will wither and fade. It's happening right now. It's happening to all of us. I have two boys in the flower of life. They're as big and strong and smart as they've ever been. But I can look at their baby pictures and see what time has already done. I can see myself as a man their age, before they existed, when they were just a prayer request. As my son Ryan, who is now 25 years old, said when I showed him a picture of myself on my honeymoon with his mother almost 30 years ago. He looked at the picture, and if you've met Ryan, you know he looks quite a bit like me, poor kid. (laughs) And I showed him a picture of his young, 20-something young father, and his jaw dropped, his eyes bugged out, and he said this, oh man, man, He said, what's the point of taking care of this if I'm going to end up like that? (laughs) Thank you, son, ever so much. (laughs) Thank you, buddy. Now, that joke works. That's what he said. That joke works because we're all aging. David knows it. That's why he said, David, don't forget your life is here only for a short time. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field where the wind passes over and it's gone and its place knows it no more. But in place of that frailty, in place of that fragility, the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him. There it is for the third time. His righteousness extends to children's children, to those who keep His covenant and remember to do His commandments. The Lord has established His throne in the heavens. His kingdom rules over all. Now David has gone beyond himself to Israel. Now watch his vision open up to the whole cosmos. Bless the Lord, O you His angels, you mighty ones who do His word, obeying the voice of His word. Bless the Lord, all His hosts, His ministers who do His will. Bless the Lord, all His works in all places of His dominion. What's the last line? Bless the Lord, O my soul. David, don't forget to praise God. That's the point of the sermon if you haven't been following me. With the brief life that you're given, remember that your life will last forever if only you will trust God and His Son, Jesus Christ. Your frailty will be replaced by the eternal life of Jesus. Your sin will be absorbed by the payment of, for it on the cross. Jesus, who is life and who rose from the dead, will give you His own life. Never, ever stop forgetting to praise the God who loves you that way. The sin you can still remember your father has chosen to forget. When you say, I'm weak and stupid and frail, your father knows it full well, and that's why he is strong on your behalf. That's why he looks on you with compassion, as many earthly fathers fail to do for their own children. Your father knows what you're capable of. He knows how shallow and small your limits actually are. That's why he gives you his own life how do we practice this? How do we move this from 3,000 years ago into our own life? Let me give you three simple suggestions. Number one, make praise to God a daily commitment and not a random occurrence. If you forgot this morning, you remembered to come to church but forgot to praise God generously and specifically for the life and the blessings He's given you, Today, start making praise a daily commitment, not a random occurrence when you happen to remember or life is so good that you can't help but praise Him. Number two, use the Bible to guide your praise for God. Notice as David started writing his psalm, he moved out from his own head, and what a cruel place that can be to be trapped in your own mind. David moved from talking to himself to remembering all of Israel. It changed from my to our. And at the end, he's speaking to all of creation and God's holy angels saying, all of you, bless and praise God with me. If you will use the words of the Bible itself to praise God, you'll always be right. And number three, consequently, start with your own life and move outward. If you make and reduce your worship to God for the things He does for you, your life will be small, shallow. Look across this great, great cosmos that He's made. Remember that the things that He has made in the universe are there as evidence of His glory and His strength. David calls on all of God's works to praise Him. God David calls on holy angels higher than you not the object of God's redeeming love but higher and stronger to you to gather together as a chorus and help him praise God When we leave these when we leave this campus when you walk through those doors get back into your car rejoin what we think of as real life this is real life Sometimes when people talk about church and ministry and thinking about God, we've developed this crazy phraseology to say, well, back to real life. No, this is real life. This is the God who loves you. This is how He forgives sin. This is His steadfast love toward you. This is who He is. Knowing the fullness of His own justice, He provided Himself in your place so that you could only and always call Him Father. So that you would be loved the same way forever. And though God's love will never change for you because it is steadfast, it is not like the love of an earthly father that grows along with his children. So that somehow I love my boys now 20-some years in much more than I did the day they were born. The day my kids were born, I thought my heart would burst with love, but they don't know anything about it. I love them so much more now. Your Father has loved you perfectly and eternally forever. The only thing that will grow and change in eternity is how much you know it and how much you enjoy it. Heaven will be forever getting better somehow for those who are in the presence of God because you will know Him more as eternity rolls on. This is your God. We have every reason to praise God. So please, let's never forget to do so. Let's pray together. Lord, give us now time to do business with You. If we've been neglectful, if we've been ungrateful, if we've been simply, Lord, forgetful, help us now focus our gratitude and our attention and our love on You. Christian, could I just invite you right now to bless the Lord? To talk to yourself. To thank God for your salvation. On top of that, many earthly blessings that He's provided. Just spend a little moment and move from the temporal to the eternal and just do what David said and bless him, praise him. And friend, whether you're watching online or you're here in the room, have you trusted Jesus in this way? Would you say that your relationship with God is characterized by what the Bible calls fear, in other words, reverence? You're not just casual with God. You're in awe of Him. You're moved by Him. You're just blown away that He's as He is and He loves the likes of you. If it's more casual than that, may I gently invite you to consider the fact that maybe you don't know God at all? We're all forgetful. We all think so much of ourselves and so little of him but if you're not in awe of God it may be that you've never met him at all and my invitation to you is to turn from your sin remember those things that your conscience accuses you of remember the things in your past that you try so hard to forget and turn yourself into God confess your need of Him. Tell Him that you agree with Him, that you've sinned and you're far from Him, but today you want to turn around, you want to repent, and you want Him to save you. You want to know for sure that He loves you this way. Would you take a moment to do that? Ask Him to be your Savior. Tell Him that you agree with Him about your sin, His right to judge it. Ask him to forgive you and give you eternal life. Father, if there's anybody here who needs to do that in this first service, I pray that you would give them the grace right now to be gut-level honest with you, agree with you about their condition and their need, and ask you to save them. That they would say, Father, I confess my sin to you. Don't judge me save me. Give me the righteousness and the life of Jesus instead. We love you, Lord. We thank you for loving us this way. May we never forget with every day you grant us, may we never forget to praise you. I pray this in Jesus' name, and Crosspoint says, amen. If this morning you've taken a step from death into life, please find the card that's in your bulletin and fill that out for us. There's going to be people in boxes in the back of the room. You can turn that card in. If you have a prayer request, that's the best way to let us know. If you'd like to pray with somebody who will genuinely listen and care for you and pray with you right now, there's folks waiting right here by the cross. Folks, God bless you. Love you. Thank you so much for coming to church with us. May God's grace and love follow you every day this week until we meet again.